You're listening to the Product Podcast by Product School. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here. What I decided to talk about tonight, and actually, Product School gave me a lot of flexibility in picking the topic. So, what I'm what I'm going to be talking about is how we can set ourselves up for success when we join a new company as a new product person, or join a new team in the same company as a product person. And the reason why I decided to choose this topic is because in my journey as a product person professional so far. I've noticed that there's a lot of material out there that teaches people how to get into the profession, and then there's some material out there that teaches us how to do product once we're in the role. But in this chasm of landing your dream job into, you know, getting into the groove of being a product person, there's not that mater much material out there. And believe it or not, the topic for tomorrow's product school from the Google product manager is the same topic. We did not collaborate. We don't know each other. But this just goes to show that. In the product community, there should be more conversation and dialogue about how we onboard ourselves. So, my question to the current product managers in the room: What has your onboarding experience been like? Have you had structured onboarding experiences? Eh? So-so? <laughs> yeah, I've had cases where I've been thrown in, thrown in with no documentation whatsoever, and just one experience in my career where there's been a list, an Excel sheet of here's all the documents that you need to read. This is what you need to do to get up to speed. But unfortunately, that isn't the norm. So I hope that with this talk today,、um, I can provide you with some sort of blueprint for you to work with, work around when you join that dream company of yours. And you know, this is my personal blueprint. Feel free to adjust it as needed as you move along in your career. Before I dive into the content of the talk, here's just a little bit about myself.、Um, I love building products. I've primarily worked in startups, and that's why I moved here from Canada five years ago. So I moved from Canada to Silicon Valley. I'm currently the head of product of a startup called Lenda. What we're doing is we're providing a home loan experience that is completely online. So the vision with Lenda is you'll be able to come to us and get approved from a home loan without ever talking to anybody in a matter of hours. How we're going to do that? It's up to me to figure it out. I'm doing that right now. I'm also the co-founder of Women in PM. This is a meetup group up in San Francisco where we meet once a month and have facilitated discussions around the day-to-day -day role of product management. Because oftentimes, product people, we are often the only product person within 20 or 30 professionals around. So this group is for us to share our day-to-day -day struggles, learn from one another, and grow from each other. And I'm actually looking for volunteers for this group right now. You don't have to be female. So if you're interested in participating in the community, please come and talk to me about it afterwards. In the past,、um, I was running product at DreamHire.io. This is a mach machine learning-driven hiring platform. I also co-founded Censorsure.、Uh, Censorsure is a wearable tech company、uh, in the senior aging space, and we were acquired by SEA in 2016. I've also done PM in various other companies, and before transferring to product management. So all of you looking to make a trans transition, I was there in your shoes a couple of years ago. Um, before transitioning, I was in academic research. My background is in physics, and I did re research in medical physics and medical genomics. All right. So, how do you onboard yourself into a PM role in five easy steps?、Uh, side note: I'm actually two months and three weeks into my new role at Lenda, so this is the new and improved, iterated, polished version, which I have worked upon in the last two months. So. My advice number one when you accept a new、uh, PM position is to slow down, get yourself oriented, and set your personal goals. Now, this may seem a little bit counterintuitive because we, as tech professionals, oftentimes want to just get in, hit the ground running, and start performing like we're someone who's getting shit done. But I will say, 
that I completely 110% agree that you need to do that as a PM. You know, the sprint still needs to go on, the product still needs to get shipped. What, I, what I'm encouraging you to do is in the time as you're onboarding yourself, divvy up your day so that maybe 20 to 30% of your day you are able to spend to lay down the foundational work um, in order for you to do your job effectively in the future. Um, so that is actually what I'm doing right now. I'm hitting the ground running, but 20 to 30% of my day up for the last two months, I have been laying down the foundations in order to make strategic decisions in the future. To do that, get oriented in four categories. Number one, get oriented on who you have on your team. So depending on the size of the product team you join, you may not have a marketer, you may not have a QA person, you may not have a designer, or you could have all of the above. So figure out what resources you have available to you in order for you to deliver your product, and then figure out what skills you need to catch, what gaps you need to fill in order to deliver the product successfully. Secondly, orient yourself by asking if there's any documentation at all. Is there any way you can learn what the product you have inherited is supposed to do? Oftentimes, if you're giving a product that is pre-existing, like the other product managers in the room, you are just thrown into the deep end, but never be afraid to ask, is there any pre-existing documentation? Thirdly, get an oriented on the tools that are available to you to do your product work. As product people, when we ship, when we deliver features, when we deliver new products, you have to be able to experiment and see how the users are responding or test your hypotheses. Without these tools, you're essentially wasting, wasting money for the company and wasting the time of your engineers and designers. So get oriented on the tools that is available to you. Assess whether it is a good enough stack for you to do your role, and if not, make a list of suggestions that you need to push the company to purchase for you. If there are tools in the tool stack that you are not familiar with, don't fret. Most of them have the same features. They all behave in similar ways. But what I would do is start making a list of the tools that you need to familiar yourself with and take this on as your after work homework. Go online to YouTube. Most of the tools have really good tutorials. Talk to people on the forums and learn how to use these tools in order to drive your product decisions in the future. And lastly, Set expectations with your boss and your executive team and the stakeholders that you report to. Um, just learn what is expected of you in the first week, two weeks, 30 days, 60 days, a quarter, half, half a year. And by doing this, you will be able to continue divvying and protecting time here for yourself to lay the foundations once you know what is expected of you of your day-to-day -day role. And that brings us into the rest of the presentation, how to set goals with this extra time that you're carving out for yourself. All right, so when I take on a new product role, I personally like to start at a higher level, and this is just how I like to go about learning and thinking about things, but you, know, you can mix and match any way you choose. So the first thing I seek to understand when I join a new organization is how are product decisions made in the company? And then some of you may be thinking, wait a minute, you're the head of product. Well, guess what? In every single organization, big or small, there is always going to be product influencers that are you know, not directly the head of the product or in title, but there are always gonna be more people with more influence than others. And it's very important to recognize who these people are in an organization so that as the lead of the product, when you are pitching and pushing your ideas through because you know what's best for the product, you know which relationship you need to manage in order to succeed in what you're assigned to do. Next, connect yourself to the company mission and the business objectives. And the reason I emphasize this is during the time of the interview process, you know, we always want to be making sure that the company's goals and objectives are aligned with something that we want to build. 
But if you're joining a fast-moving team, by the time you have signed the offer to when you enter your foot through the door, things may have shifted and changed. So you don't want to assume that the things have stayed the same. Just want to check with your, you know, your, your bosses or, or whoever you're reporting to what the objectives for the next short term are in order to align your goals to theirs. All right. From there, um, the second thing that's most important to me once I understand the high level strategic vision and plan of the company is to invest in my key relationships. And I'm sure all the existing PMs in the room can appreciate when I say that we can't do our jobs unless we have good working relationships with everybody that delivers something in order to make the product successful. Um, my entire team at Lenda knows this. So, um, at a, starting again at the high level, I would encourage you that when you start your role as a product manager, dress for success. And again, this is kind of counterintuitive to the Silicon Valley, you know, genes mentality. But depending on the size of the company that you're working for and where the headquarters internationally located, it's, it's, it's dangerous to make the assumption that everybody's going to be in jeans and runners. We as product people are in between technology and business. So you don't really know what is the culture of your legal department or marketing department. And as someone who's you know, joining a company, setting first impression for yourself, you don't want to be that person who you know, accidentally made a wrong impression because you didn't dress, dress to show up for work. So I would just advise and suggest to just to err on the side of formality. Um, and a good way to test for this is to reach out to the HR professional that you were working with while you were interviewing and getting hired and just ask what is the standard culture across the company, especially in the business departments. When you first show up to your first initial meetings to those outside of the engineering and design departments, make sure you're dressing to match their level. All right. From there, going starting from the high level now, I will address who are the key stakeholders that you should be setting up a relationship with and building those relationships in the long run. Back to the previous slide, you have already identified who the key product decision and influencers are in the company. Definitely set up one-on-one -on -one meetings with those. Additional to those, your boss, your head of engineering, your head of design, your head of marketing, any lead that you will be working a, a very closely with and spending a lot of time with, make sure you spend a good half an hour, an hour with them in the start of your tenure at that company. So how I, how I like to prioritize is prioritize those who will be influential in the product decisions and those that you will be spending the most time with. But I don't just stop there. Especially if I'm joining a team between 20 to 40 people, I will actually set up one-on-ones with everybody that I'm working with. And that could be a lot. But it is expected that when you're onboarding, especially the more senior you get, your calendar in the beginning few months of the company will just be filled with one-on-ones. And the, the way I think about and rationalize this is, in business, it's always easier to form relationships and get things done if you're among friends and if there's a level of trust between you and your colleagues. So this is why I prioritize those one-on-one -on -one meetings. Now, in these one-on-one -on -one meetings, a lot of people ask, what do you talk about for 30 minutes? What do you talk about for an hour? Um, what I've found to be very per uh, personally very effective in my product management, management and this is going to sound really cheesy, I just get to know my colleagues as human beings. I ask them what drives them, what they do on the weekends, why do they work at this company, what motivates them, what are the things that worry them, what are things about the business that they think can be improved. There is one question that I ask every single new colleague that I work with, and that is, what do you think is going well in this company and team right now, and what do you think can be improved? I find this question very effective because it opens up a dialogue and it allows this new colleague to talk. So it sets you up as a PM in a position where you seek first to understand, you analyze the data that they give you before you jump to conclusions and make any suggestions. Another reason I ask this question is because it gives me a broad overview 
of how the team is feeling about the situation. And as someone who's new who's coming in, especially now in a leadership position, I actually have the, the authority to start making changes right away, but I like to know what the team is feeling and how I can make, uh, make changes in the most impactful way possible. So for example, at Lenda, I did, I did this one-on-one -on -one with the 25 people there. And the, the one thing that came out from among the team members was that we didn't have a really solid, robust QA process in the, in the product that we're shipping. To no fault of the company, it's a startup, there's no resources, so I don't have a QA manager. But then, there, but then I prioritize making sure we have a solid regressional QA process as we're shipping the product out the door. And if you do this among your colleagues, it's an easy way as a product manager to create those small wins initially in your tenure and show your teammates that you are listening to them and you're responding to them. All right, so now beyond building the relationships that you need in order to be a successful product manager, I also emphasize that you need to understand the past, present, and future of your product. And the reason I say this is unless you are co-founding a company as the CPO, or you are the hiring director of the innovation arm of a new corporation, unless you're the product person starting that product, chances are there was a PM before you or there was someone without the title making product decisions before your time. And it would be prudent of you to not waste the company's time and energy on experiments that were already done in the past where you can collect data from. So to understand what has happened in the product in the past, ask questions such as, are there any data from usability studies that can read? I can read. Are there any customer surveys that I can analyze? Do you have documentation on past A-B tests that you have run so I can see what changes have been made in the product and the effect of those changes? I will add the caveat that if the experiments ran in the past were at a time where the product looks completely different than what it is today when you inherited, then you should run the experiments again. But look to the data first to see what you can uncover. In terms of the present, make sure when you're owning the product, whether it is a feature set, a module, entire product line, entire product suite, you know what is committed in this sprint, the next sprint, and on the roadmap, you understand what those items are, especially sometimes when you hear a roadmap, product managers have their own lingo and you don't really understand what that feature is talking about. Try to figure that out because since now you're the product owner, you will be responsible for it. And if things were to fail, guess who's gonna be on the line? It is you. So I would advise you to you know, spend that time to really understand what the plan is going forward. Now looking into the future, you know, when you're looking at the plan going forward, align it to what I said four slides ago. Does it align to the company mission and business objectives? Because those are the goals that we as product people are going to be held accountable for. The company is expecting us to bring the product to a certain level to, for example, drive revenue for the company or increase user engagement. If, you're do if your objective is to drive revenue versus user engagement, you as a product manager will be focused on very different aspects of the product. So make sure that what has been planned out before you is aligned with what the company is expected of you. And if it isn't, after you've done all the analysis above, now is the time to bring it up with your manager, with your CEO, with whoever you're reporting to, and just say, hey, if we continue on this path, I can continue going that way, but you wanted me to land over here. It's not going to work. And if you're looking at the past data, you can come up with business cases to try to change the direction of where it's going. All right, um, the last piece of advice, and I give this to all my reports to join my team, don't be afraid to ask lots and lots and lots of questions. There's a running joke, like every company I'm join, I join, I'm always the one who's asking a million questions. Um, and the reason to do this is, you never know what you don't know, but once you ask that quote unquote stupid question once, you will never have to look stupid again. 
Um, and I know a lot of people are hindered by the fear of, oh, I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm doing, but the reality is we as product people, nobody's expecting us to know everything. You are the glue in between all of these different departments. And you need to be understanding how all of your resources, your teammates are doing their jobs. The more you are able to understand, the more you are able to be that translator, that facade, that mediator in between the different departments. And in fact, in my experience, if I'm you know, going in to an engineer, having a very technical discussion, asking my stupid questions, they actually appreciate it more. Or if I'm talking to the marketer and talking about their campaign, their strategy, looking deeply at their numbers. So you will find that the individuals on your team actually appreciate it if you dig deeply into their work. There are three types of meetings that I set up when I join a company um, to make sure all of my questions are answered. And they lie in the domain of customer experience, technology, and business strategy. So I make sure that I meet with the individuals or groups of people who hold this institutional knowledge, pretty much download all the data I can in these three domains so that once I'm done with this download, once I'm done going through this onboarding experience, that is when I'm finally able to make strategic product decisions for the company. So there you have it. Those are my five easy steps on how you can onboard yourself. Um, I hope you noticed that there was an underlying theme where it is more important to slow down and lay down a good foundation of understanding in order to make key strategic product decisions to ensure your success in your future. All right. Well, thank you for coming. Um, I'd like to open the floor now for any Q&As. And you don't even have to ask me in the content of my presentation. That's totally fine. So that's a very good question. How do I gain the trust of people where pretty much everybody in the company has more domain knowledge and mortgage than I do? So I think um, the value that the company sees me in right now is the person who is asking the right questions in order to make the, make the company make, uh, meet the business goals that they are set forth, if that makes sense. So, Pretty much, you know, my processors, my closers, these are mortgage terms, my loan officers, my salespeople, they know intimate, intimately on the ground what it's like to be a mortgage customer, what is it that the vision that we're trying to build, and my team's job is to put it all together, um, understand the manual processes, and automate, automate it to technology where, where we can. I have done that before in manufacturing and in other domains. So that was how you know, this company saw me as someone with strength in product management to turn their vision into reality. So I may not have mentioned this, but I wanted to say this. Um, in order to gather those information across those three pillars that hold up product management, depending on the company, depending on the structure, depending on who I have available, it could be one person for each of these categories or one to N. So for technology, if I have a head of engineering, and I hope I do, I meet with the head of engineering. For customer experience, I meet with, if I have a customer support department, I talk to them. If I have a head of sales, I talk to them. If I have a head of marketing, I talk to them, because they really understand the personas that we're trying to reach in our marketing strategies. And if I have a head of design, I currently don't, but in the past, when I've had a head of design, they are my partner in understanding the customer experience. On business strategy, um, if I have a head of business development, currently don't right now. So business strategy is mostly between myself and the CEO. You're welcome. Over there first. <laughs> uh, in product decisions, I had a company you work at, and maybe you've experienced this, maybe you haven't, are being made without data being considered, without customer experience feedback loops being considered, without disseminating information about product features that come out to especially client-facing teams. What have you seen to work well in trying to like, just change? Is it, if the culture is just that, is it, 
from your experience impossible to change? Or is it something that you've seen, you know, a product person can turn around? I have experienced that, and this topic comes up a lot in the women in product discussion group. Um, it depends on where you are in the organization and what level of seniority you have. That is the honest answer. So back when I was a product manager in those organizations, it is very difficult to change because you are not the final decision maker and you are not the quote unquote product influencers. In those environments, what I encourage people to do who come to the uh, discussion group with that sort of dilemma or situation is just to you know, learn as much as you can and figure out what is it that you can gain from this product experience. You still have product management on your resume. Now, if you are in a more senior role, if you're in a leadership role, and you've been hired in as the product professional, then that's where you are in a position where you need to manage your relationships, know who are the decision makers, but have those dialogues and say, hey, if this is the business objective that you're trying to reach and you're not looking at data, we are probably not going to get there. And they're not going to turn around right away, so you have to wait. You know, you, we wait after the first sprint. You don't look at the data. Work, wait a month, you still don't look at the data. And then the, the person in charge of you comes to you, why are we not succeeding? And you, you, you can fairly say, well, I can't look at the data. I don't have the tools to do it. We're operating blind. And over time, that's where, you know, if you are in position to, to have that voice, over time, the organization will switch. And I will say, in my past, in my friend's past, it has happened before. Thank you. You're welcome. And over here? Yeah, uh, so after the see I'm an engineer, yeah. so after going through all the onboarding and doing your homework to become a product manager, how would you convince uh, a HR and like, you know, how do you get a job as a product manager? How do you sell yourself as a product manager? Since uh, you have like 8 to 10 years of engineering experience and you've been coding all the way and uh, of course you develop interest eventually to develop a product, Yeah. Uh, how do you uh, let's say, for example, if you want to join a big corporate, how do you say them? I mean, I want to transition, or like you know, what would be that mantra? Sure. Um, definitely, a lot of people want to know this, and a lot of people want to transition into this profession. Um, I've seen a couple of strategies that have worked. If you currently work in a large organization and you feel like you have a boss who supports your career transition, start speaking up in your performance reviews and express that you would like to transition into product and ask if you can start volunteering or working on product projects within your organization. And I found that the more you volunteer, the more responsibility you take on. Once the product role opens up in your large organization, then making the transition makes a lot of sense. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it, you know, I'm not pitching products for anything, but going through something such as a boot camp to get more experience and exposure of product management under your belt, and then leveraging that sort of platform to uh, meet employers who are hiring from that pool, that is another way to transition. Now thirdly, for engineers specifically, half the people who come to my product management meetup event come from technical backgrounds. So it is actually a very natural progression to make the switch. Um, and how I've seen professionals successfully do that is recognize what your domain expertise is at this point in time. So for me, it was healthcare. But for you, it would be engineer, development, really understanding engineers. You can start off on an internal-facing product, which engineers use, and do product management for that, or work with a company that is building an API suite for developers, where the customer is the developer, so that you would be, you know, you would be the most effective product management for that role. For me, I don't have a traditional technical background, so I haven't managed an engineering-facing product before. When I came into this profession, I met a lot of people who have transition domains, so I think just anecdotally, you need to really sharpen your skills as a product manager 
And you know, those key skills are being able to facilitate conversations, making de decisions with imperfect information, um, being the advocate for the end user, being able to speak technical, UI, UX, marketing, speaking across the different departments. You know, this, the skill. Once you are able to master those skills, then I found that it was very easy to switch domains because business is business at the end of the day. And the same critical thinking skills, problem solving, and conversation skills will come into play over and over again. Yeah. Oh, over here? Uh, being a newly minted product manager, um, is this a good idea to ask your boss for mentorship or someone else uh, in your team for mentorship? Oh, yeah. Uh, I personally think so. Like, you, if you're a new product manager and your organization has enough product management professionals to support that, and if your organization has a mentorship sort of culture, then sure, it's a question you can ask your boss. If you find that your boss will not be supportive of it, like, feel free to connect across the community in Silicon Valley. Uh, there's product school. There's, you know, there's multiple product management communities here in the Valley where you can just find mentors along the way. What are the? How do you prioritize for revenue versus? Okay. So the big difference is the two goals are very different. You could be driving user engagement, you can be increasing your downloads, but you cannot be you could be not making more money. So how I would approach the problem is if you were to drive revenue, what part of your product is driving revenue and zero in on the conversion rates for for that. So the sprint going forward, the roadmap going forward will be zeroed around that potential area of the product. And I'll be very cognizant. People are not going to stay on my product. They're going to come and leave. It's very transactional. So the KPIs that you're measuring are going to be very different. The product areas that you'll be touching will be very different. And the technologies potentially could be very different because you're talking about exchanging money versus keeping people. And you know the psychologies around it, the design will be very different. Yes? Product managers that are already working in the role but don't have like a technical educational background. Yeah. But we want to gain, you know, the understanding, respect, and trust of the tech or technical teams like engineers and designers. So when we have those one-on-ones outside of the questions you've already mentioned, what other ones would be great to use to better understand them and you know to gain their trust and respect in working with them? Okay, uh, that is a great question, um, and in my journey to gain their trust and learn more about technology and design, because I come from a science background, for the head of engineering, um, a good discussion topic is what does the system architecture look like? What does the project architecture look like? And hopefully, they, if they're receptive to it, well, first of all, engage them by saying, hey, I would like to learn more about how the product is built. Would you be open to having one-on-one -on -one discussions with me? And find that engineer on your team. It doesn't even have to be the head of engineering. They just have to be receptive to working with you who's willing to have these discussions. And then get in a conference room with them with a whiteboard. Hopefully these discussions will lead to them drawing circles and showing you how things work. And just build from there. Um, how I started was every time I attended a Scrum meeting, if there are technical terms that I don't understand, write it down, meet with them, talk to them, do my Googling. And it could very much be a two-way street. You can find an engineer who's interested in product management, who wants to learn more about the business side, and you guys can have a trade. And I didn't answer about the design side. <laughs> Sorry. So on the design side, same thing. Sit down with your head of design, people who are running usability studies, and don't just rely on them to give you the deliverable. When they give you the del deliverable, question it. Why did you structure the questions this way? Why did you select this um, segment of users to test? have that dialogue with them 
and you know you can also take your existing products, start making design suggestions and change suggestions, meet with your head of design, get their feedback on what they think about your suggestions. How do you manage product backlog? How do I it's very dependent on the company that I'm in and depending on the style of my head of engineering. Um, if I'm managing it, then I, I do a certain way, but I'm very quite adaptable. How we're currently doing it right now is um, we have a stage where it's called estimate ready. So product people, engineers, marketers, who, whatever have you, can even submit bugs. So you get a bunch of cards ready and we're using Trello, but this can be taken to Asana or Jira as well. So we have a state that's us estimate ready and we have a weekly backlog grooming session. So in that backlog grooming, the engineering team sizes the cards, but that doesn't mean they're actually prioritized for the next sprint. And I actually really like doing it this way because then it feels like you always have things to work on, you're planning ahead and you're not, you're not playing catch up on the time, all the time. So every Friday we have this backlog grooming, we size it, and then the product team, we start prioritizing into two categories, a prioritized category and an unprioritized category. And then for the next sprint, I just make sure in the prioritized lane, the top 30 points are what we need to work on next and those get moved across. But of course, we need to be agile. So if there's something breaking in production or if something needs to happen because marketing or PR, then we can swap things out.